Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, and you're listening to the Better Off Podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking to Kelly Hoey. She's a networking expert, and she really helped me understand the difference among all the different social platforms and what you should be doing on each one of them to make yourself stand out. I think of LinkedIn as the business suit, the white shoe law firm I came from. It's Wall Street. It's a business conference. Facebook for me is friends and family. So how you talk to your friends and family is how I like to have the discourse and the postings and and the engagement on Facebook. And then Twitter, let's face it, it's a cocktail party. All that and more on the latest episode of the Better Off Podcast. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast, sponsored by Betterment, the smarter way to invest your money. Okay, it's a new world order. Half of you are really bummed out about President Trump. Half of you are really psyched about President Trump, but we're all in this together. And really, this show is not a political show. So let's get that out of the way. What we are doing here is providing unconventional and hopefully entertaining insights on your money and life. I'm your host, Jill Schlesinger. And, you know, I think that a lot of people are going to get wrapped around the axle about every day and every announcement. And I want everyone to just breathe. Okay, breathe, because It's going to be a very long four years if you allow your emotions to dominate. It's kind of like investing. You don't want to swing between fear and greed. That's when you make a bad decision. So, too, with this political stuff, you don't want to be on the ecstatic cloud nine because something's happening for your team and then sink down into the doldrums because something doesn't happen. So ground yourself. Figure out what you need to do to improve your own financial life and surround yourself with people who can help you get there. And one of the things that I've been very fortunate enough in my life to see is that those who surround us can be incredible cheerleaders for the most important asset of our lives, ourselves, right? You hear me talk about this. I'm all into the human capital. We've got a guest today. Her name is Kelly Hoey. And it strikes me as so fascinating because she's a real uh, career jumper in lots of ways. Now, that's something that seems scary to a bunch of you probably, but for others, it may seem quite natural. The amazing thing is if you look at the, the Department of Labor statistics, they say that by the time we're 40 years old, we end up having somewhere around seven to 10 jobs. If you're a millennial, it's going to be closer to 15 jobs over the course of our careers. So what does that mean? How are we getting from one job to the other? Are we moving within the same sector? Are we changing into different sectors? And how do you get there? You probably need a network. It's not networking. It's just building relationships. And what you'll find is these relationships can really move you to a different place. But you've got to do some work. It's like anything else. You cannot sit around and wait for these things to happen. So in that respect, what I love about the concept of networking and thinking about how you can become a a better worker is that if you are really kind of inwardly focused, you sometimes have to go outward. And if you're really outwardly focused, maybe you've got to look inside yourself and be very clear about what is actually making you happy and what is not, what you're really good at and what you're not. None of this is easy and none of it is going to happen seamlessly, but well worth the effort. Certainly a lot better use of your time than worrying about uh, the next tick up or down in the stock market. 
Focus on where you can make a long-term impact on your life. So stay tuned. We're going to have a great interview with Kelly Hoey. We're also going to have a terrific caller today. I understand. Mark gave me a little heads up. Guy's got half a million dollar inheritance. So we're going to figure out what to do with that. If you've got a financial question, don't forget to contact us. Just shoot us an email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com, and we'll arrange to get you on the pod. Okay, so without further ado, here comes Kelly Hoey. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. Well, building on our theme of kind of remaking yourself as a better employee or employer or entrepreneur or just general worker, we've got a great guest today, Kelly Hoey. She just wrote a book called Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyper-Connected World. Okay, so before we start with how to become an awesome networker, I want to ask you a question. What's the best money decision? you have made for yourself? Best money decision, uh, investing in myself and making that a priority. Mm. Uh, And that has been something I've done um, probably since early in my career. And and beyond the decision to put money into a 401k, it was the decision to make the yes, as I like to call it, the yes me fund. Um, And that is the fund that has enabled me to pursue entrepreneurial ventures, write this book, make angel investments, make the career choices that have enabled me to be a better employee. As I say to people, my three pieces of you know career advice are build your expertise, build your network, and build your bank account. And those three work together. And without the third, the first two wouldn't have been as powerful. You know, I think that's amazing because I I think that we hear these stories about people like, I don't know, I'm so old that I'm going to give you this reference. Like Spike Lee maxed out his credit card so he could make a movie. And that's actually not the greatest way to start a business, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and, And even when you think about, you know, building your expertise in your network and adding in the bank account or feeling like you're secure enough in your future that you can take a risk that makes sense for yourself. I think that gives you so much more, um, a broader ability to consider possibilities. And that's what I love about the idea of, you know, putting yourself first, investing in yourself and trying to make sure that you are actually financially fit. Right. If you're not your own best investment, what is? (sighs) God knows. Yeah. <laughs> if someone knows what it is, I'd like to put some money in it. But no, you are your own best investment. So invest in all of those three things. You know, what are you known for? You know, who are the people you can tap into to make your dreams and your career happen? And then have the financial wherewithal that you can ride um, uncertainty. And uncertainty may be the job that you're in. I know I was a better employee because if I had been fired... It didn't affect my life. Mm. Would I have wanted to drain savings to pay my rent? Of course, no one wants to do that, but I could. And that makes you very powerful as an employee, not in an arrogant sense, but an ability to do your job better. That's so true. So let's back up. Um, what, what? Let's talk a little bit about who you are. Kelly Hoey, you're from Canada, and uh, I seem to be on a, a run of interviews with Canadian women, which I'm kind of, I don't know what type that means, what that's, what that says, but I've liked all of them, uh, especially because when you are Canadian, you must be a hockey fan. 
Oh, massive hockey fan. And so Mark and I completely appreciate that. So um, you are a hockey fan. You were born in Canada. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you, you're a lawyer, right? I lawyer by training. I was one of these. I grew up in Victoria, British Columbia. We'll put we'll put that out there. But as I like to say, I've been a New Yorker since 1998. Uh, found my finally found my spiritual home. Uh, but I did what you know a lot of people did. You were expected to you know graduate from high school, go to college, get a degree, get a job, with you know get your business card and. You know, maybe one day you got an office in the corner or close to the corner and you thought you'd made it. Uh, And I had a career itch in about 2001. I, you know, uh, had to rebuild a network uh, Mm -hmm. to make a career change. So, you know, I've been a a lawyer. I've been a law firm manager. I was the first president of uh, Global Business Network, 85 Broads. And I sort of finally feel at, you know, the ripe old age of 51 that I've found the career I've always wanted. Now you've outed yourself as in your fifties, which I love. Okay, let's. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did that on my fiftieth birthday, uh, so you know. Someone once said to me, "You know, uh, you should not say your birthday on the air because you know women do not survive on television in, over a certain age." I said, "You know, there's this thing called the internet." The World Wide Web, and people can probably figure out how old I am, so I'm not that worried about it. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about why you focused on networking as for yourself. Like, what was the what was the impetus? You you were in a white shoe law firm theater, but before that, you weren't. So, how'd you get in, and how'd you knock down that barrier? So I mean, lucky, you know, my move to New York and, and the timing was good because it was 1998 and uh, was that was before that first internet bubble and so many professionals were moving out of, you know, the windowed office jobs into startups in New, in New York. So there was a bit of a brain drain and a demand for legal talent. So I was, you know, lucky there. But uh, a friend made a connection to a law firm and I didn't have to go the headhunter route. But the real kind of first jolt, Jill, to sort of get me really thinking about how it was I I networked, because I think I'd always been doing it, was in that 2001-2002 time period when I decided I wanted to make a career change. And I realized very quickly that while I had a very big network, it was very narrow in terms of industry. It was lawyers, it was bankers, it was Wall Street. Uh, if I wanted to go and get a job, you know, at Goldman Sachs, I could have gone and done that. But if I wanted to go and do anything outside of that very narrow kind of banking, structured finance world that I was in, I, I couldn't make the move. So I purposely set out to make this new network to make a career change. And this is always scares people. It took 18 months. Why is that scary? That doesn't seem like that long. Oh, I think with the world of the internet, people want it. You know, they want the change tomorrow. What do you mean? I, you know, I can send a tweet and I can get an answer, and I can, you know, I can friend someone, and all of a sudden we're we're best friends. Okay. Building trusted networks takes time, and that eighteen month time period, you know, for for the people in my network to know and trust me and send opportunities, that's the time period it took, and that was sort of that real aha. You know, fast forward, why write this book? Why why share this knowledge? Um, I'm typically asked the same questions over and over again. And there's only, to put it in startup language, there's only so many coffee dates. So to scale the knowledge that I have, 
here we have it in the okay. book. But now, has anyone else asked you about your hockey um, affiliations or not? No. Okay. This is the so, first time, so, so this is good. we've broken through. We've broken already. through. We got, we've got the bond. It's already something is different. Okay. Um, you just said that networking is is built on trust. And I wonder how we make that leap of trust in a digital world. Does that mean, I mean, I always think about trust is forged uh, in face-to-face. So can you build trust digitally, remotely? And if so, how can our listeners, our better off listeners, think about it? Absolutely, you can build it digitally. Uh, But as I say in the book, you need to be amphibious. We live in a world that is not online or offline. It's both. And you need to navigate uh, and use those tools to do both things. Some of my strongest relationships that I've developed in the past few years have started online. One way I suggest to people they think about digital and online platforms is to think of them as physical spaces where you meet people. Because behind a Facebook profile or a Twitter profile is a real person. Don't let the technology confuse you. So I think of LinkedIn as the business suit, the white shoe law firm I came from. It's Wall Street. It's a business conference. And I conduct myself, you know, that, Kelly, I conduct myself accordingly on that platform. Facebook for me is friends and family. So how you talk to your friends and family is how I like to have the discourse and the postings and and the engagement on Facebook. And then Twitter Let's face it, it's a cocktail party. Mm-hmm. Right? And are you the type of guest that other people want to talk to? Are you listening? Are you you know, trying to engage in different conversations? And if you start thinking of those digital platforms in those ways, I think it'll facilitate making the types of relationships that you want to make in this hyper-connected world. You know when every uh, dope out there is, be your authentic self, uh, which I get. You know, because I I drip with authenticity, much to the chagrin of many of my friends. The question that 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 brings up is that you can be your authentic self, but really be careful about what you're presenting on in each of those different scenarios. Right. So at the cocktail party with your friends, with your colleagues, you don't have to be your truest self? Because I think that sometimes it's almost like, I didn't need to know that about you on your LinkedIn page, or I didn't want you to use LinkedIn in that way. And by the way, that picture is ridiculous. Take it down. Exactly. So take example on LinkedIn. It's not tied to my Twitter feed. It's not. And and I um, stop sort of anything in my feed where people are doing that. I don't care what you had for lunch when I'm on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. I want to know point of view. I want business insights. I may want things on, you know, the philanthropy, the charitable cause you're involved in, uh, your vacation, what outfit you should wear, your shoes, you know, your annoyance with, you know, the latest tweet from an, an elected official. I don't want to see that on LinkedIn. You know, it's interesting. Dan Roth, who's the honcho in charge of editorial at LinkedIn, has said recently that there was a lot of pushback during the U.S. elections around people posting partisan stuff on LinkedIn that wasn't actually like, hey, here's what happens if if this policy goes into effect, more opinion pieces just in general. And he said they got a ton of pushback and the community of LinkedIn didn't want that there. Right. They could get it somewhere else, but they didn't want it there. Right. Unless it was some, you know, I'm going to say sort of some thoughtful, long editorial type would have appeared in the New York Times piece. I wouldn't want to see it there either. And like I said, I purely think of it 
as business and and forging those business relationships. And that's what I want to see there. So I think you can share the same information on, on multiple platforms, but it's understanding your audience and the communication that they expect and want to hear on those platforms. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. We're going to get back to my interview with Kelly Hoey in just a second, but just a moment here where we can actually start to figure out how to make your life better off. One way to do so, stop driving yourself crazy about investing. That's why I'm so happy that Betterment is the sponsor of this podcast. Betterment's the smarter way to invest your money. I came to the passive investing altar about halfway through my 30-year career in financial services. I started as a trader. I became a certified financial planner. And through all those years, I saw so many different approaches to investing, people thinking they had some magical answer. And yet so few were willing to admit that it is the passive approach to investing that makes the most sense. That's why I'm so happy that Betterment is the sponsor of this podcast, because they really do walk the walk and they talk the talk. Betterment relies on time-tested investing principles. Basically, they know that based on data, there is no consistent way to beat the market over the long term with active trading. They apply those principles with transparency and with ease of use. They use great technology and focus on keeping your fees and your taxes lower. That's so much more important than figuring out how you're going to beat the market. And here's something refreshing. Betterman cares that you actually reach your financial goals. That's why they keep their fees so low. See how Betterman can help you today. Better Off listeners can get one month managed for free. For more information, visit Betterman.com slash Better Off. Let's get back to my interview with networking guru, Kelly Hoey. One of the things that you said that, yes, that uh, networking is built on trust, but you also say that it's built on generosity. Can you explain that? Well, it's a whole notion of um, a two-way relationship and not being the person who's always asking for things and not giving anything in return. And people often ask when they sort of feel like they're in the um, the weaker position in a networking relationship, um, take a mentor-mentee relationship, for example. They say, well, what can I give? Well, you can be a great listener. Uh, you can follow up. Uh, so in the digital world, in some ways, that's easier because what can you give when someone else has been generous with their time? Well, you can give a retweet. You can give a post. You can share with your network somebody else's information. You can be that good follower. That's a way to be generous in this, I want to say, hyper-connected world. Recently, we had um, a friend of mine, a guest on the show named James Altucher. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, James. And he has a really good methodology around basically zero plus minus where, you know, like you have relationships with sort of a mentor mentee, right? You're the mentor and there's a mentee. You have a mentor and then you have your your equals. And each of those requires a different kind of networking, I presume. But you would, I presume, agree that you have to have all three. You can't just be sitting there. I mean, I guess when you're younger in your career, what's a way to mentor someone else? Um, maybe through your college, through your network? I mean, what what's your way well, of giving back? I mean, I, so many of the younger, I want to say younger people in my network who they would think of me as their mentor, I usually look at them and say, hold on, I don't know who's mentoring who. We all can learn from somebody else. And I think if you approach relationships 
and meeting people with that genuine interest in who the other person versus feeling, you know, high on the mountain that you're the one with all the answers. I think you can have an, you know, I would say different relationships and gain much more than taking this position that I'm the mentor and therefore I'm the one giving all the information. I love that idea. I met a guy when I first got to CBS News, my friend Joe. Joe A, you're listening. Here's a shout out. And he was, I think, 24 years old. And he actually sat down and explained search engine optimization to me. And so I got this crash course in SEO, which is probably now eight or nine years ago. And he really helped me. And to this day, we talk to each other and he gives me so much and I help him with his stuff. But it's it does, it's not an age thing. It's an expertise thing. Getting back to your point, which is when you invest in yourself, you have to build your expertise, your network and your bank account. And Joe's a great example. We don't know anymore where someone's career is going to take them. It used to be, you know, I think when my career started, you know, it was lockstep. You had to put in the time. And, you know, when you got the gray hair that I have at the temples now, that's when, you know, you were senior and, you, you know, you were the top. And, you know, that was so that expectation. But now your boss could be someone 20 years younger. It could also be someone 20 years older. And instead of looking at, you know, look at experience, but not necessarily in terms of years. Mm. Why do you think people connect with you? Maybe because I'm just truthful. Maybe because I've sort of come into my own at this point and I just say it like it is. Um, do I worry about offending anyone? No, I'd rather give people the, the honest truth. Maybe people connect with me because my ultimate kind of goal, my, my career satisfaction, my why, you know, in Simon Sinek's terms, is to help other people be more successful. And my success, you know, whatever, whatever that ends up being, but seeing other people be more successful and what I can do to help them, that's what gives me such a career, I want to say high. And maybe that comes through and that's why people want to connect with me. I like that. That's good. All right. You did well. Perfect. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the the myriad. We, we touched on this previously, which is there's there's a number of different platforms where you can connect socially. Um, and what is this? Can you describe what the fear of missing out or FOMO is and why it's so harmful? Well, I think, you know, you've hit on it with so many platforms uh, and so many options. And, you know, I should have checked this morning how many meetups and happening in, you know, any city at any time. And I think we can get distracted uh, by everything that is being posted and shared, um, hence FOMO. And it takes you off your mark because you, you lose track of where it is that you're headed. And if you know what your goal is and who the people are and the events and things that you should be focused on to achieve your goal, then this other stuff starts to become a distracting, distraction. Yes, you can pay attention to it because there may be something that you've missed, but you're not missing out. And... Uh, as I like to say to people, 2015 and 2016 was my year of no. And part of that was, was I had one goal, and that was to get this book published. Once I decided I wanted to do this, so everything I did had to focus towards getting this, you know, making this book happen. You know, mm -hmm. Could I get a literary agent? Could I get a publisher? What did I have to do to make this, sing this single goal happen? And so, heck, there was a ton of stuff I turned down. There was a ton of things I turned off, unsubscribed from 
ignored because I had one goal. And if I hadn't done that, you know what? It might have taken longer than three years to get a book out. Wow. I walked into the studio and you were here. Mark had brought you into the studio. I looked at you and I made a snap judgment in my head, which is not always great. But you do, though. I, I, unfortunately, it's also in my DNA. My mother is the worst with this. No, it's in all of our DNA. Okay. You have about half a second to make a first impression. I looked at you and I'm like, I like her. Now, I don't know why. Mark said the same thing. Ah, the no, jeans, but, no, the, but, the boots, here it, here it is. But. I don't know, but it was like, no, but because I didn't, I, because I am a luxist and I do like take in visual stuff, but it was not that. It was just something, it was like a smile, it was a comfort, okay. it was something. So, yeah, I want to say, we're New Yorkers, we're all luxist um, uh, <laughs> on these things. So they did a study of TED Talks and why TED Talks go viral when there is two TED Talks on the same subject, why does one go viral and the other, you know, gets a nice, some nice views, give them a pat on the back, whatever, but doesn't go viral? And they had, you know, a, you know, kind of a little group to study these things. And half the group watched the TED Talks with the sound on. The other half watched it with no sound. And the results were about the same. And some of it is this whole instinctive, what is it? Smiling is key. Mm. And not the quick smile, but the longer smile. Hand motions, absolutely key. First impressions matter. Um, building trust, being generous, um, doing research, which I also, I love that idea that, you know, you, you there's a, something in your, hold on a second, I marked it down. Can you believe I really read this book? Come I can't. on. I, I'm seeing all the turned down pages. I'm seeing highlighted. I know. Things um, that I wanted people to do with this book. Here's crack what. That, did you crack the spine? I really oh, want yeah. the spine crack. I did it. Um, uh, page 87, stop Googling and start observing. And here's the quote that I loved. In real life engagements, this kind of searching has replaced curiosity and intellectual rigor. Explain that. Think about the number of people who email you and say, can you help me find a job? Mm. They haven't, they haven't researched or I'll get an email. Someone say, Hey, my friend's son is looking for a job in a law firm. Can you help? Well, if you actually did some research, you would see I haven't been in a position to provide advice on that in about a decade. Probably not the person to ask. Mm. And we expect to, to ask a question like we ask Google and have a page of search results and then we're like, oh, there's the mover I'll use or there's the restaurant. Rather than diving in deeply and looking for answers so we can ask smarter questions. It's very smart. Okay. Kelly Hoey, we end each interview with this question. You ready? I'm ready. What's the worst money or career mistake you have made? Uh, Money-wise, uh, investing in Calgary, Alberta real estate in about 1997, 98. Mm. Should have done that. Uh that's like not even fair because we can go back and cherry pick anything, right? No, I had the uh, opportunity and I didn't do it. And I oh, should, I, I should, see. Yeah, I should have done it. So someone the, presented you with an opportunity. You didn't yeah, do it. Yeah. No, my brother was moving there at the time. And in hindsight, that was really silly that, you know, I, I, I didn't invest in real estate at that time in Calgary. Wouldn't say that necessarily now. Uh, I would say career-wise, it which ties into the money, um, Investing in my career at an earlier point in terms of having that financial confidence behind my career, because uh, the minute I did that, 
it changed everything for me. The game completely changed for me in terms of my ability to perform my job and where my career has taken me. Kelly Hoey, author of Build Your Dream Network, uh, her three Ps, people, 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 uh, hat tip, Barbara Streisand, funny girl, and three more Ps, persistence, planning, politeness. I love the politeness. Thank you so much for joining us here on Better Off. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. It's time for the Better Off Question of the Week. If you have a financial question, just shoot us an email. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. Now, this week, we've got Shane from Iowa, who has inherited a half a million bucks. Shane, welcome to Better Off. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I um, listen to all the podcasts on uh, on my phone, and I, I love the program. Excellent. Well, appreciate your listening. And what's on your mind today? Um, well, I have an inherited IRA that I received probably, I don't know, about a year ago. Um, and and the, the, the brokerage of where it's at, mm-hmm. the fees are, are pretty high. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out what the, what the best way to uh, go about, whether moving it or trying to find some different fees or some different funds to put them in. Okay. Um, Let's figure out, like, what's going on in your life. I'm sorry that someone died and that you, this is how you got the money. So that's number one. But it is a lot of money. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Shane. How old are you? Um, 42. And are you single or married? Um, married. How old is your spouse? She is 42 as well. Okay. Kids? Um, three. Oh, how old? Um, 18. Oh. Mm-hmm. In college now. Nice. Um, uh, 11 and 8. This was a trick question to see if you knew how old your kids were. <laughs> um, okay. And um, you're working now? Correct. And what do you do? Um, I work uh, as a c- computer programmer. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, and uh, is your wife at home working both? What's she, she, works as, she works as well. And what does she do? Um, she's a instructor. Okay. And how much is your total income, basically? Basically, probably 170 That's great. And is that a good, is that like plenty of money for you? Do you feel flush with that? What, how, how is that? How's that income for you? Um, it, it's, it, it covers everything. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, everyone here in New York, we think like, oh, if I lived in Iowa, my, my, my 170 would go a lot farther. So tell us how much farther it would go. Do you own a home? Um, correct. Yep. How much own is home. that? How much is the house worth? Um, probably 230. Mortgage? Um, yeah, one, uh, 145. Oh, okay, good. And how about money in the bank? Like what I would call the old emergency reserve fund. Um, we have probably, let's say, eight, nine, maybe about say 10 months of, of emergency funds. Okay, that's great. That's great. In your mind, how have you guys navigated the college stuff? Uh, you said you have one kid who's in college right now. State school, private school, are they paying? Are you paying? Did you save money for education? What's, your, what, what's the game plan there? Um, he, he's at state school, and he got a lot of academic scholarships, so we're just kind of paying that um, – out of cash flow? Out of cash flow, correct. What about the other two? Are they a smart? No, just kidding. I mean, I shouldn't say that. That's a terrible thing to say. But what what do you think about the other two? What, what do you think um, will happen there? We're pretty fortunate there. Are the grandparents, actually, there's probably 80 apiece. Ooh. In, um, in I love those grandparents. <laughs> okay. 
So how much money do you have in retirement right now, currently? Like forgetting about the 500 grand inheritance, what's, um, what's been We're at about uh, 700. Fantastic. If you're looking at the 700, generally speaking, I know you're, you're subject to whatever the choices are in your plans, but what do you say the split is right now between stocks, bonds, cash? How are you investing right now? Right now with those two um, or with the, with the, just the 401k stuff, yeah. it's almost, I'd say, eight, 100% um, stocks. What? Come yeah. on. Are you kidding me? That's why I'm trying to, trying to make sure that... Uh, Hold on. Oh, wait a second. I'm, I had to... I had to take a deep breath on that. That's totally crazy. We got to reallocate. Are you familiar with like the different choices in your 401k? Yes. Okay. Could you invest in something else besides stocks and see really good returns? The answer is yes. So what I want to know is in your plans, what other choices do you have? Do you have index funds? Do you have bond funds? What else is, what's in your plan that you're using? Um, yeah, we got, so I got index funds, um, bond funds, um, you know, a stable fund, balanced fund. Okay. At age 42, when you're kind of, I mean, I'm not saying you're retiring tomorrow, but you probably want to retire in the next 20 years or so. Uh, you know, it's, you have to start thinking differently, right? Correct. And, and, and so when is, when would you target retirement in your mind? We're thinking if, if, if things work out correctly or, or as we wish, our goal is at 55. Ooh, so this is a, so you're within 13 years, and that means we definitely have to change your allocation. Correct. Okay. So I think that you want to stick to the index funds. If you are kind of scared of the bond market in general, maybe you would use the stable value instead of a bond index fund. And then I think that if you at least get – I kind of would feel better if you were just – even if you were super aggressive today and you, you were 70-30. That's, that's plenty aggressive when you've got 13 years to go. And then slowly as you approach, almost like every year, you kind of want to start shifting so that by the time you're 55, you can have a little bit less risk on the table. Will you receive a pension at retirement? Um, I will, yes. Okay. So, I mean, this money, you're not going to need all of it immediately, but you'd like to have access to it, I'm sure. For this half a million dollar inheritance, I think there are basically two choices. You could choose to do it yourself, right? You can create your own allocation, probably a 70-30 allocation, and you can use really cheap index funds. And by doing that, you know, you are going to retain more of the money yourself because you're not giving fees away to someone else. Now, conversely, you have another choice, and that is you could go to uh, a robo-advisor like our sponsor, Betterment. And in that case, you're going to be sure to go through their risk assessment questionnaire, and it'll be there'll be some things about when you need your money. And then the Betterment platform will create an allocation for you, and you can kind of Move on with the rest of your life. Either way will work for you. It really depends on what your comfort level is in doing it yourself. I would be careful not to have too much risk on the table as you approach retirement. But, I mean, you're in very good shape financially. There's no doubt about it. Bottom line, in either case, you'll keep your expenses low. But you already know that, right? So right now where the the brokerage, where the the inheritance RA is at, um, it does have high Fund fees. One of my questions was, mm-hmm. would you just kind of bite the bullet and move it now? Yeah. Or would you? Yeah. Um, Goodbye. Absolutely. I would do it. And I would bite the bullet because every day you stay there, that brokerage firm is making money off of you that you could be making yourself. Make sense? That makes sense. Good. 
Okay, that's another episode of the Better Off Podcast in the books. Don't forget, there's a new episode of the Better Off Podcast every Thursday. You can subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jill on Money. That's at Jill on Money. Just use the hashtag better off. You can also reach me via email. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. That's askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really will help us out. Better Off is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Delercio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.